Welcome to Practical Christian Living. Why can't I muster up enough faith to walk on water? Because Jesus never gave me a promise that I could walk on the water. He ne never gave me a command, go walk on your swimming pool. If we did, if there was a passage in here that said, if you come to Christ, then you will walk on swimming pools. We'd be like, here we go. Let's go do it. But Jesus had given Peter a command, come to me. Jesus promised we'd have troubles in this life. Most of us don't need that reminder, but we often need this one. He promised we would overcome those trials because He has already overcome the world. The key to overcoming is getting our eyes off of the waves and keeping them on Jesus. If you are in need of encouragement, hope, and strength for the storm, Stay with us for the second part of our study out of Matthew chapter 14. Here's Robert Furrow. The reason for what's taking place here is to show us that Jesus has power over storms. He has power over sicknesses. He has power over demons. He has power over leprosy. He has power over storms. His ministry revealed that there's nothing that is out of his realm to be able to help. And so in Matthew 14, 22, it says immediately Jesus made his disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side while he sent the multitude away. And when he had sent the multitude away, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. Now when evening came, he was alone there, but the boat was now in the middle of the sea, tossed by the waves for the wind was contrary. Now in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went to them walking on the sea. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, it's a ghost. And they cried out for fear. <laughs> they just all started screaming. And immediately Jesus spoke to them, saying, be of good cheer. It is I. Do not be afraid. Now in these few little opening verses, I find seven things that help us to be able to face a storm. Number one, Jesus at times leads us into storms. They were in that storm because Jesus said, get in the boat, I'm gonna meet you on the other side. There was a storm earlier they were in that Jesus got in the boat with them. He said, get in the boat, let's go to the other side. And then he, he was so exhausted, he fell asleep in the front of the boat. And then the storm arose, and the Bible says, and water began to come into the boat, which is never a good thing. Water outside of the boat, good. Inside of the boat, bad. And these were professional fishermen. And they woke him up, and they said, Lord, don't you care that we're perishing? And Jesus says something really funny to them. He says, why are you afraid? Because we're sinking, you know? Why are you afraid? Because we're in a life-threatening situation. These guys made their living on the water. They knew what was dangerous and they knew what was not dangerous. And yet Jesus says, why are you afraid? Oh, you of little faith. And he commands the wind and the waves and they are still. He takes control over them. And then they said among themselves, who is this that even the wind and the waves obey him? He didn't stand up and say, I pray, Father, that you would stop the wind and waves. He commanded them and they listen to him. Who is it that the wind and the waves listen to him? But they learned something from that first storm. 
When Jesus said, we're going over, you're not going under. Why did he say, why are you afraid? Because earlier he had given them his word. Let's get in the boat and go to the other side. But they thought they were going to perish in the middle of it. But Jesus sent them into the storm. And he sends them into this storm. And again, they find it, but they've learned something from this one. Now the wind's contrary. And there said, Jesus said he would meet us on the other side. And we're not going to bail out. And so they kept rowing. The easy thing would have been to let the boat point the other way and to row with the wind and get back to the shore, wait for the tempest to die down, and then go back out and meet him on the other side. But they were like, we are not quitting. And they kept fighting against it till the fourth watch of the night. First watch is six o'clock, second watch is nine o'clock, third watch is midnight, fourth watch is three in the morning. Of course he came to him in the fourth watch. He let him go through it all. And then he shows up. They're worn out. He, he made them take their faith to, to all the way into the early morning to make it to the other side. Sometimes Jesus leads us into storms. We might not like that, but it's the truth. God's got his purpose for the storms. The second thing to help us get through a storm is to know that even in the middle of the storm, God's word is still with us. Just because you're in a storm, God's word is not nullified. Just because you're facing some difficulty that is horrific, all that God said is still true. In the middle of the storm, Jesus said, let's go to the other side, and they were going to get to the other side. When Jesus said, I'll meet you on the other side, they were going to meet him on the other side. And so God's word is true for us as well, no matter what we're going through. God is going to use this to work out good in your life. Again, you might opt out of that. You may say, I don't really like that. But God's going to use the storm you're going through. Or if you're not going through a storm now, just wait. Take notes. Because you're going to have a storm. You might not need it today, but you're going to need it tomorrow. God's word is still true. And it's good for us to focus in on God's word in the midst of it. To double down on our scripture reading. To think more, to memorize more to look up passages that speak of God delivering and how God works and what God will do. The first was that sometimes Jesus leads us into storms. The second is that you have God's word in the middle of the storm. The third thing to help us get through storms is to know that Jesus sees us in the storm. One of the other gospels says that while he was up praying, he looked down and he saw them on the water. I don't know whether he literally saw them. It's a big lake or whether he supernaturally saw them because Jesus did a lot of supernatural things. But he saw them. And it's really good for you to know now, in the middle of your storm, that Jesus sees you. That he's not oblivious to your pain and your suffering. In fact, the Bible says that he carries our sorrow and our grief. I believe in the Garden of Gethsemane when Jesus told the disciples, I'm so full of sorrow that I think I'm going to die. I believe that all of our grief and our sorrow was being laid upon him so that Jesus has carried my grief with me. It's not that I don't feel grief because I do, but that he carried part of it for those of us who love him. And so he was a man of sorrows and he was acquainted with grief. He sees what we are going through. He knows it. He's not oblivious to it. The fourth thing is that he's present in the storm. 
It might have been the fourth watch, but he showed up. And I love that one of the Gospels tells us that he intended to walk by him. You know, it's like, there they are struggling. He's like, walking on the water. It's like, he's going to walk by him. He's like, they're doing all right. They're going to get there. It's going to be rough for them, but they're okay. They'll be better off for it. He's going to walk by them when they see him, which of course is what he planned all along. But he's you know, walking by like, yeah, I'm just going. And they see him and they think he's a ghost, which I don't know what that meant to a first century Jew. A ghost, was it a, a person who was deceased? Was it a demon? I, I looked up the word and I wasn't able to get a quick answer. I don't know what it meant. Whatever it was, it was terrifying enough that the Bible says they all started screaming. Things have now gone from bad to worse for them. They're in a storm. The wind's contrary. They're believing God's word. And now they see something walking on the water and they all start screaming. Like an airplane going down. Ah, they're just yelling. And Jesus has to cry out to them. Jesus will always meet you in the storm. Jesus said, And lo, I am with you always, even until the end of the age. And the most probably the most loved psalm says, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I am with you. Even when we face death, even when someone around us is dying, even when we have a brush with death, God is with us there as well. That would be considered the worst storm of all for us. Some of you may be in that storm now. Some of you may have heard the word terminal. Some of you may have heard the term, there's no cure, or the prognosis is not good. And you're in that valley of the shadow of death, but Jesus is there with you. He hasn't abandoned you, and he will take you through this storm as well. I've been in the valley of the shadow of death, and I know the presence of God in the midst of it, and it is very real. The fifth thing to make it through a storm is to know that sometimes the very thing you fear is the thing you need. They feared Jesus. They yelled, they hollered, they screamed, but it was Jesus that was there. And sometimes the very, very difficult things in the middle of your storm are the very things that you need in your life because God's doing something specific with you. The sixth thing is that the storm is under the control of Jesus. He didn't think, I need to run out to these guys to help these guys because this storm might get them. He intended to walk by because the storm was under control. The Bible says that God will not give us more than we can handle. And we go, I'm already there. What do you mean he ain't giving me more than I can handle? I'm already there. No, you just don't know how much you can handle. God has his hand on the thermostat the entire time. He is not going to give us more. And if we do go through more, he's going to give us grace that we might be able to handle that. You might say, well, tell that to Job. Yeah, Job went through an awful lot, but he made it through the storm. And he learned his lessons from the storm as well. The seventh is to focus on Jesus and not the storm. That you put your eyes on Christ. And we see that in verse 28. It says, And Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. Pretty bold statement. I wish I would have that kind of faith. I might have this kind of faith. Lord, if it's you, then get in the boat with us. What are you doing out there? And he said, 
come. And Peter had come down out of the boat. He walked on the water to go to Jesus. Now, this is pretty incredible. Peter walked on the water. Well, I was watching a movie a while ago and they were making the point that there's always an exception. And, and the, the main character said, well, Jesus walked on the water. Or no, he said, no, he said one man walked on the water. And I talked to the TV. I said, no, two. Don't forget Peter. He might not have walked for very long, but he walked on the water. Now, I don't know. I'm tempted to ask people to raise hands for this, but I'm, I'm not going to. I don't know if you guys are like me. I've tried to walk on water. And, and not just once. I've tried to go, Lord, I believe you can do anything. I trust you completely. I have faith in you. I have more faith than a mustard seed. And so I'm going to walk on the water. So I just kind of take a run at the old swimming pool. I'm going to walk on water. I'm going to walk on water. And the water has never held me up. I've tried it slowly too. I'm going to walk on water. I'm going to walk on water. It just doesn't happen. Why? Why can't I muster up enough faith to walk on water? Because Jesus never gave me a promise that I could walk on the water. He never gave me a command. Go walk on your swimming pool. If we did, if there was a passage in here that said, if you come to Christ, then you will walk on swimming pools. We'd be like, here we go. Let's go do it. But Jesus had given Peter a command, come to me. Lord, if it's you, let me come out on the water. Then come. And, and with that command to come came the power for that water to be able to hold him up. Whatever had to change with the command of God came the power to do that. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. God gives you a promise and as you step out, God meets you there and you are able to do it. So Peter walks for a little while. And then suddenly, he begins to look at the wind and the waves. It says in verse 30, But when he saw the wind was boisterous, he was afraid and began to sink and cried out, saying, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus stretched out his hand and caught him and said to him, O you of little faith. I would say to Peter, you walked on the water, dude. That's incredible faith. But Jesus said, you just had a little bit of faith. Why did you doubt? He began to look at the wind and the waves. He began to look at the difficulties that were around him. And when we start to do that, we get our minds off of the command of Jesus and we get our minds on our struggle. I heard someone say one time, when I was in the middle of my own storm, by the way, I heard someone say one time, in the midst of what I was going through, all my faith drained out of me. And I thought, that's a perfect way to put it because it's happened to me. Where all of a sudden I just go, I don't care anymore. I just don't, I just don't care. I'd lost my wife. I had, in 2012, I had, I had thought God would save her. I thought God would heal her. And I'd lost her. In the depths of grief in the months that followed, I went through a storm of grief for a year and a half. And uh, I'm laying on my bed and I just say to God, I don't care. Live, die, I don't care. I didn't want to die. I wasn't, going to, I wasn't thinking of taking my life. I was just saying to God, I just, everything, I just like, I don't care. I don't care. I don't care. I don't care what happens to me. I don't care anymore. I just don't care. Everything had completely drained out of me. Now, what I love about that is that God did not let me stay there. That God brought me out of that. And that God brought me completely through it. 
We put our eyes back on Jesus in the midst of the storm and we make it through. In closing, there will be an end to your storm. It's a season. There will be an end. The end isn't always what we want, but he brings us to an end. My wife was diagnosed, my late wife was diagnosed with lung cancer in September of 2011. She died in December of 2012, so a little over a year from that. I thought God was going to heal her. She thought God was going to heal her. When we anointed her with oil and prayed for her, she had a vision, and we took that vision to mean that God was going to heal her. We trusted in that. Until a couple of weeks before she died, she finally said to me, I'm, I'm going to die. And I wasn't ready to accept it, and I said, no, you're not. And she said, God's, God's going to take me home. And you've got to understand, it wasn't, this wasn't this demonic tempest. It was an incredible peace in the midst of all of this that I cannot explain. God's hand was all over this thing, and she died so well, and she pointed people to Jesus. If you would have told me before she was diagnosed, your wife's going to get lung cancer, she's going to die a painful death, I would have said, Katie, bar the door. But her faith rose to the top, and she trusted in God. And one Saturday morning, we were now, I was giving her drinks out of a syringe and I gave her a drink and I straightened her up a little bit and I heard her take a gasp and I come around and I looked into, into her face and she took her last breath. And she went into the presence of God. And here's the thing, she's okay. She's better than okay. She's great. She took to saying to people before she died, I'll see you around the corner. She didn't say goodbye. Someone would be leaving, they'd say, I'll see you later. She goes, I'll see you around the corner. One day we're going to turn the corner. I'm going to turn the corner. There she's going to be. And the Bible says they looked upon him and their faces were radiant. God delivered her from the storm. She's not in the middle of it anymore. She's delivered through it. My storm started my year and a half of grief. And that's how long my grief lasted. My deep grief lasted a year and a half. It's not that every once in a while I don't still get sad, but my, that deep grief was, was gone in about a year and a half. But I had to go through that storm. And it was hard. It wasn't easy. It wasn't easy being a ho at home alone night after night after night after night. You try to travel and that's worse because you travel with somebody, right? You go with somebody somewhere. But God took me through that storm and I'm okay. Some of you guys were here when God began to lift me out of that storm and God brought Kathy into my life and joy returned. I made it through the storm. The storm will end. It might not end in the way you want. It might. God does heal. God chooses to heal some and he chooses not to heal others and God does heal but the storm will end. And probably the biggest lesson for us out of all of this is that Jesus has power over every storm that we face and his promises are true and will take us through it all. And in the end, we will be better for it. There is not an exception to that. Our God will cause all things to work together for the good to those who love him, to those who are called according to his purpose. Now, I realize that you may be at this point saying, this isn't why I came to church. I wanted to be uplifted. I, wanted, I didn't want to have to think that I would have to face storms and go through them. 
But this is the reality of the world that we live in. And may God shine through us during this time and whatever storms come our way. And may we enjoy the good seasons and may we survive batten down the hatches and make it through the tough ones. Stand with me, would you? And let's pray together. Father, we want to thank you that you give us instruction as we make our way through storms. We thank you that you give us promises in the Bible that we are going to go through difficulties so they don't take us by surprise. And we pray now that you would help us in the midst of the storms that we are in. That you would cause this, this ultra division in our nation, this hatred of others, and that you would use it for your good. That we would minister effectively in these times for the sake of the gospel and for the sake of eternity. And we thank you for this in the name of Jesus, we pray. I want to pray for you. I want to pray for those of you that need a miracle. Our God is a God that, that does do miracles. We've had a family member of ours estranged for years. And on my birthday, I was busy getting things together. And I looked down and it was her phone number. She was calling me. She hadn't called me in years. And I thought, oh, no. If any of you have estranged family members, you might, you might understand that. And I called her the next day. And uh, I said, hey, sorry, I, I, didn't, uh, I didn't call you back. And how are you handling this whole corona thing? I small talked, and it was all small talk. But I hung up the phone, and I realized, that's an answer to prayer. I've been praying for this for a long time. It was a small step, but something's happening. God's working. And I want to pray for you that you would receive a miracle, whatever that might be. Maybe it's some, some divide in your family. Maybe it's a marriage that, that is just in the midst of difficulty. You're in the middle of it. Maybe it's financial. I'm going to pray for a miracle. I want to pray for those of you that may be depressed, that may, may be looking at the world around you. You're being overwhelmed by things. For those of you that may have conditions, maybe mental conditions, for those of you who may be panicking or depression or uh, a manic depressive, whatever it is, there's nothing that's too big for God. And if you don't need that prayer right now, and I'm really glad you don't if you don't, but if you know someone who needs it, then I'd like you to pray for them by joining together with me and us praying for them together. Because we are the body of Christ and Jesus said, ask and you will receive and you don't have because you don't ask. And the effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man accomplishes much. God answers our prayers. So let's pray together. Father, will you live, reach out your hand towards me if you want to receive it or you want to pray for someone. Father, we want to pray for those that are here that need a miracle. I pray that you would give them that healing, that you would heal their marriage, that you would heal that relationship with someone estranged from them, that you would, would meet them where the need is and your need is always sufficient in your riches. I pray for those that are depressed, those that are oppressed, those that have a disorder. There's nothing too hard for you, for those who are panicking, for those who are stressed, for those that are just overwhelmed and feel like they can't take it anymore, that you would bring them your peace into the midst of their lives, that you would restore to them the joy of your salvation. And we trust in you in these things. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. 
pray that the Lord is speaking to you in a personal way here at Practical Christian Living. If you'd like to hear more of Robert Furrow's teachings, visit calvarytucson.com. For our local listeners, Calvary Tucson is open and holding physical services while being mindful of social distancing guidelines. Our East Campus at Speedway and Camino Seco meets Saturdays at 6 p.m. and Sunday mornings at 9.45 a.m. Our West Campus, south of Palo Verde and I-10, meets Sunday mornings at 8.30 a.m. and 11 a.m. Our midweek service times are Wednesday evening at 6 p.m. at our East Campus and 7.15 p.m. at our West Campus. If you prefer, you can watch our service online at live.calvarytucson.com and also on our Facebook page and YouTube channel. Our online campus is available during East Campus service times. If Practical Christian Living Radio has blessed you and you'd like to donate, please visit pclaz.org. That's pclaz.org where you can make a secure one-time donation or sign on to become a monthly partner on a reoccurring basis. Have you accepted Jesus into your life or have questions about salvation? Email us at saved at calvarytucson.com. And don't forget to follow us on social media, Instagram at Calvary Tucson and Facebook at Calvary Chapel Tucson. We want to remind our local listeners that you can watch Practical Christian Living Sunday mornings at 8.30 on Kagan 9 TV. May we walk worthy while we wait for the return of our Savior. Thank you for joining us for Practical Christian Living.